pause, renew, next. A podcast about soul care, scripture, and stories of faith. I'm Jenny Detweiler, and friends, I'm so glad that you joined me here today. I am really excited and honored to introduce you to today's guest, Sarah Westfall. Sarah is such a gifted writer, and she's also a podcaster. And truly, she is a kindred spirit. She and I have so many things in common, and you'll hear just a little bit about that on today's episode. She and I have been friends over social media for a long time, so it was really great to get to connect with her and have this conversation. Now, Sarah has written some really helpful resources that can be found on her website, and we're going to be talking about two of those resources in today's and the following episode. This is going to be a two-part series. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about her resource called Between You and Me, all about cultivating healthy and meaningful relationships. It's also really about belonging. Now, so many of us long for deep and meaningful relationships, for connection, and for belonging. So this is such an important topic. So without further ado, let's jump into the conversation. Well, Sarah, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I think I've been watching you on Instagram for, I don't know, a couple of years probably. I know we have a lot in common, so it's really fun to get to connect. Would you like to introduce yourself to the audience, like whatever you want to tell them about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I always laugh when I get this question because I feel like I have like a mini existential crisis of like, wait a minute, who am I? What do I tell these? What do I tell these people? Um, so I'm Sarah. I am. I'm gonna pretend as if we're sitting across from coffee or meeting for each other for the first time. And we are because I have my coffee too, and perfect. I know you have yours. I do. I do. Um, I am like cradling it in my hand. So yes, first and foremost, I am a coffee drinker. I like it black. Um, I am a wife of 18 years now. We have had five boys, four who are still running around our house. Um, I am a, a writer. I have done podcasting and have always had my feet kind of in two fields, both in the, in the world of writing and publishing, and then also um, like community and student development. And so I worked quite a few years in higher education and um, teaching as well. So that kind of, that's kind of the, the bigger snapshot, but I, I write most often these days. I am a writer and I'm um, being involved in creative communities and just helping develop those communities and help writers like myself feel a little less alone in the journey. I love that. I'm really excited to get to talk with you today. And I think you have a lot of wisdom that you're going to share with people. Um, so about two different topics. So that's why I'm having you on for two separate podcasts, because we got a lot to talk about. We do. I know. Like you said, it's been a long time coming. And so we've been, you know, getting to know each other on the online space. And now we get to have a real conversation, which is fun. Yeah. I knew we had a lot in common. And I know we're both, we're both boy moms. Um, but I've also been married for 18 years. So there's another thing. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Of course. Of course. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's the truth. Yes. Um, so today, what I'd love to talk to you about is your resource that you wrote called Between You and Me. And I really think we could say that's a lot of, about a lot of different things. It's about belonging. It's about connection. It's about relationships. Um, and you write, our souls are crafted for interconnectedness, but too often our experiences fall short. 
I think that's probably been true for a long time. I think the pandemic has made that worse. I think virtual relationships to some extent have made that worse as well. I'm just wondering, how did you form an interest or come to write a reflection series about this particular topic? Like, where did that come from? You know, I think questions related to belonging have always been, have been questions I've asked since I've been a really young kid. And part of that's due to my wiring. I'm an Enneagram four. And so looking at the world from my lens, I always tend to feel like I carry a measure of lack. Um, I see what other people have and feel like I am missing, you know, the elusive it, whatever it might be. Um, And so with that have felt a little bit out of place, you know, from even like I can remember all the way back to um, probably elementary age and especially then amplified as I became into middle school and high school and a lot of you know, as you begin to ask those questions about your identity and who you are in the world and who God is and how all of those things are interconnected. So part of it is baked into who I am, part of my story from what the time I was little. But I think that when I began to really ask the questions in from the, from the framework as a writer and as someone who, um, wanted to invest myself more in what it looks like to create spaces of belonging Um, was the shift came for me probably about 12 years ago when we were walking through a really devastating season of loss. And I, I am a firstborn. I am, I also have come from a high achieving family and was really used to being independent and doing things on my own. But it wasn't until we were walking through that season of deep grief that I realized like there were things I could not do in a day-to-day capacity um, because the grief was so shattering. And so learning to depend upon other people um, on our local church, on my neighbors to, we had a, we had a toddler um, at the time. And so they would, you know, do simple things like let him come over and play for a couple hours just so I could have some quiet and have some reprieve. And it was in that season that I really began to realize I need this. I need community. And I don't have to, and I was so raw in that season. I wasn't very filtered. I wasn't like putting on my best self. Um, like I felt like I had to in the past. And to be able to show up in that way, very raw, and to be safe and seen in the midst of that um, was such a gift. And it was such a, um, it was, it it became such a a shift for me of realizing I could have relationships in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, So then it's just been a journey since then of asking those questions. What does this really look like? Well, I think it's a conversation that we should be having more often than we do, and that people are really lacking in a lot of ways, like feeling actually connected, being able to be their authentic selves, so to speak. And speaking of authenticity, you write a little bit about the difference between transparency and authenticity. And I feel like those two things are very confusing. I've heard other people talk about this as well. What do you think the difference is between those two things? Yeah, this distinction has been really important for me because 
part of my personality really wants to be authentic. I want to show up the full version of myself. I I don't want to necessarily hide or mask or pretend to be something I'm not. Um, so authenticity to me is is being the truest version of yourself. And I think that we're always becoming in that way. We're always growing more into our skin, but as much as possible in that in the present moment to to show up as we are. But the difference between authenticity and transparency to me is how much of ourselves do we show? Because we can be authentically ourselves, but not necessarily show everyone everything, you know, reveal, <laughs> revealing all to all. Um, and transparency is the piece that grows with trust over time in relationships. And I think we get those really confused, especially in a day and age in which we can put anything on the internet at any time and can use that kind of sometimes as a personal diary. Um, when sometimes maybe some of those details are best saved for for our personal journals or um, for the people who are in our you know face to face lives of those kind of conversations, and not to say that you know the internet is the only thing. I'm also been known to sit in a small group like with our church and then to share too much too soon <laughs> that they were not ready for, um, and so I think that learning to kind of, you know, I don't know if you have um, one of these pools nearby or or if you think of like, like Michigan or the ocean, how there is this like gradient, um, you, you step in, you get your toes in first into the water, and then you walk a little further and then you're up to your shins and then eventually it's above your knees. And I think that's transparency is as we walk further into relationships that, um, that we we get a little bit deeper into it. We get a little bit deeper into who we are and revealing that to other people. Yeah. I think a key element of that is building trust because before that's been built, before you have a foundation with somebody and you share too much, number one, that's a lot for them to take in. But number two, it's kind of vulnerable on your part and you don't know if they can handle it or what they might do with that information as well. I've done the same. I do that on a consistent basis, share too much. It is my, I'm a verbal processor. It's rough. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully by the time I'm 85, I will have learned that lesson. And then you talk about too, in your writing, some people are the opposite. It's hard for them to share anything because, yeah. because they do so much work in their own head, or maybe it's harder for them to trust other people. So it is kind of a balance. It is. And you know, for those of us, I would say I am more of an internal processor. And so I do tend to do a lot of reflection. But my vice then in that is that it can get stuck in my head and that I don't then offer that to other people or I wait for other people to come to me or to ask me questions or to invite me to something when like I have had to learn to be the one to go first but then also not to say too much. And so it's it's a weird balance, but I think we have to give ourselves so much grace in the process. Give ourselves grace of learning like, okay, that didn't go very well. (laughs) But then also giving other people grace of realizing they are trying to navigate the same things. And at the end of the day, we all just want to be safe, seen, respected, and enjoyed. That's right. That's right. 
Yeah, Kurt Thompson is talking a lot about that these days as well. Confessional communities, having safe places where we can be seen because that helps us break through our own stuff and through our shame and all that. I've coined a phrase for myself when I overshare, and that is that I always have vulnerability hangover afterwards. And then I'm like, why did I say that? Oh no, I wonder what they're thinking. (laughs) Right. And I think so many of us do that. I think, you know, I've used the phrase like vulnerability hangover or shares remorse, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is, then, you know, the hour later, the next (laughs) day we wake up and think, oh my gosh, what, what did they think about that? Or was I, was I misunderstood? Yes. That's a good one. Yeah. Cause I think for me, like that's a, that like to be misunderstood is probably one of the worst feelings in the world to me to to think that the way that I presented myself or something that I said was not really representative of who I am or my heart it just that crushes me and I'm sure I'm not the only one no me too me too yes um so I'm wondering for you where are some spaces in your life that you have felt like you belonged you shared about one many years ago that happened these days, what kind of places or spaces help you feel most connected? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, you know, I recently read over the summer, Henry Nouwen's book, um, Return of the Prodigal Son. And in that book, he talked about not only what it looks like to, to come home, to be the son who comes home or who is invited home but to then turn and to become like the father who is home to others in the world. And I think there are currently places and people with whom I feel safe that I'm able to have more transparency with. But I also think that belonging is less of a question of where do I fit and more of a question of how can I be a place of welcome in the world? And because that is rooted in our belovedness in who we are in God. And it's, it's invitational in that no matter where we are or who is in front of us, that we carry that belonging with us. And so, so that would probably be my, my overarching approach to when it comes to, comes to belonging. But some places that I have practically cultivated some of that in, in being able to have smaller knit circles of belonging, because um, there's people we are acquaintances with, there are people that we are friendly with and may have coffee on occasion. And then there's like our innermost circles. And for me, that's a couple, I have, I have a good friend um, from when I lived in Tennessee, and she is just the type of person that I can text, leave a Voxer message at any point about anything, um, even if we haven't talked for a couple of weeks. And, um, and I just know we can always pick up where we left off and that's always safe. It is never um, afraid, but that is a relationship that we have cultivated over seven, eight years now. And then I also have, um, I mean, my, my husband that, you know, he's one of my, not one of, he is my best friend. And I don't sound that say that to sound cliche, but I know that that's not the case for everyone. And I'm very grateful for that, um, that he is, and that we have that type of relationship. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful to have that within the context of marriage. Um, and then a few other things I get together 
once a month with a group of women and we eat dinner together and um, we have questions that we go through and catch up on each other's lives. And we, we text and do some other things in between, but we, we kind of just carve out one Sunday evening a month that we spend a lot of hours together and we've, we've been doing that for a few years now. And so it's been, it's been slow and it's, but we were at a place where I know that, for example, in September, I had a really rough week and um, was navigating some transitions and my husband was out of town. So I was solo parenting the four boys, which I'm not great at. And every day that week, those four women brought me food. And yeah. And so it's like that kind of thing in which they, they show up and they step in and they become those people in my like practical day-to-day life as well. So that's kind of how I'm living it out right now, but it also changes in seasons. I feel that. I feel that (laughs) each season's different for sure. I love that. Those are really helpful and specific. I love the idea of carrying welcome with you. I I think I'm trying to cultivate that in myself sometimes better than others. Mm -hmm. And I notice when I'm anxious and in my own head about stuff, I'm paying more attention to how I'm being perceived and less attention to welcoming the other. And so, yeah, it's this delicate balance. Just, Just for curiosity's sake, what are the questions that you guys do in your group? They change every week. So we actually um, partner with or each month. Um, if table, we kind of go off of their questions and they send out fresh questions um, monthly. So we've been utilizing their model and it's worked great. That's so neat. I'm going to have to go look that up. I didn't even know that existed. That's really fun. Okay. You write in your reflection series. One of the narratives we so often believe is that when it comes to developing and sustaining deep relationships, more is always best. We think that in order to be a good friend, we must constantly be available to the people we love. Showing up and being present are key ingredients to connection, right? Yes, but not always. As my friend Jill McCormick once told me, Sarah, only God is omnipresent. (laughs) I love that so much. Um, Yeah, I I think so many of us, and I'm speaking specifically for women, um, so many of us have a very difficult time figuring out how to not be omnipresent and not be what everybody needs us to be at any given time, how to have healthy relationships and still have boundaries and all that kind of stuff. What encouragement or advice would you have to give someone who feels like that in order to sustain relationships? They do always kind of have to be available, even either personally or by the phone or whatever. Right. I know some of this has been a journey for me because I think that once I came to a place where I wanted to be more connected with other people, it's almost like I overcorrected <laughs> and therefore became too available to people and maybe not even the right people. And what I mean by that is, you know, when I when I think of these of our belonging, it's almost like concentric circles of of people who are, you know, acquaintance Maybe that it's our greater church family, maybe then, um, or our neighborhood. And then we have some of our close friends that we might have over to dinner on occasion. And then you have your more intimate circle. And for me, that includes um, a couple close friends and then my family, um, my husband and my four boys. And so 
for me, it, it's taking time to step back and say, am I being first and foremost present with that inner circle? Am I investing my time and my energy in that inner circle? If not, then I shouldn't be, I say should loosely because we always know there there's exceptions here and there. But generally speaking, if I am giving more to the people who are on the fringes of my circles than to the people who are actually in front of me, who sit across my island every morning and ask me to make them eggs, then, then something is misordered, you know, um, in me and in my relationships. And so, and then just really practically, I think it, it, it also comes with knowing ourselves because I just know that I am a person who values depth and I can't, I can't go deep in relationships with everyone. Um, And so being very mindful to, in different seasons, who are the people in front of me and how can I take those relationships deeper? And it might be my husband. It might be a good friend. It might be a new friend sometimes, but of just being really attentive to, to who God is, who is putting in front of me and then not letting those circles get so wide that I can't go deep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't plan on talking about this, but you just made me think of it. I don't remember where I heard this. I want to say it was on Tish Oxenrider's podcast, maybe, but it might've been somewhere else. They talked about that originally we were made for like a hundred or 150 relationships. Yeah. But now we have access to so many people. Like even if your kid goes to school, they're going to school with way more than that. And then you see like the neighbors maybe or people at Walmart and then you've got all your Instagram friends and it's it's an overabundance. There's too much and there's not enough of me to go around and really be authentic with that many people. So I love how you really broke it down into circles like who are the people I want to invest in because there's only so much of us to go around. Right. And it might be and it was actually I've done it in different seasons to actually sit down with my journal and like draw out those circles and name the people who are in them in that season to like visually remind myself um, of the relationships that I need to be investing in, in that season. And, And again, it's not like a set it and forget it. I think that it might change depending upon um, life circumstances, but that was, that's been a very helpful practice for me. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay. I'm going to switch topics for a minute on my podcast. I love to talk about soul care and I know you're a busy woman. We were talking about it even before we started the actual podcast today of all the things that you've got going on, plus being a mom, plus being a wife. Um, How are you taking care of your soul these days? Like, what are you doing for yourself? Yeah, honestly, that, that is a question I am asking, um, because the, I'm coming out of a season and I don't, I say, I don't know if burnout is the right word, but I feel very drained of my emotional, mental, creative capacity. Um, and, and my schedule just got completely, you know, jostled up. And so the rhythms that I had established prior to let's say August have kind of gotten blown up. And so now I'm, I'm really in a season of reset. Um, and I think, and the things that I know that I need to, to put back in, um, 
first and foremost for me, regular personal writing, not for the, for the words that don't need to be seen by anyone else. I need to build that back in. It, and that's the type of like, it's like the writing to figure out what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking and to process what is currently happening. That is a personal practice for me that if I can't put words to it, it's really hard for me to name it. And so I have to find names for things and writing is a part of that for me. Um, I'm finding more and more, I'm an introvert and I'm also very increasingly sensitive. I don't know if it's like with age or just the fact that we have four boys or what it is, but like noise and over like visual and auditory stimulation. I feel like by the end of the day, sometimes like my nerves are just on fire, just blowing up. And so, uh, so I, I found that I have to be very intentional with cultivating pockets of quiet. Um, some days that looks like going and into the restroom and just like standing there in front of the mirror and breathing (laughs) for like five minutes. Um, if my kids are outside and running around, um, but also one of the things, and it, it it sounds maybe a little bit more like self-care than soul care, but it truly does help take care of my soul is, um, taking a bubble bath as many nights out of the week that I can. Um, there is a window of time between when our youngest two go to bed and our oldest two go to bed. And I try to generally get a bath in then to just help calm those senses that I was talking about. Um, and my husband is really great at allowing, helping me make space for that because he also knows that I'm a much better human after the kids go to bed if I have had that bath and have been able to have some quiet and have been able to even just let the water like relax my muscles and for me to unclench my jaw. Um, and so that, that has been a real, I mean, I've, I've been doing it for like a decade, like, and it's just been crucial to my mental and emotional well being. And then I think when, when things loom really large and feel overwhelming to me, I have cultivated a practice of, of paying attention to the little things, the things that draw me into that are either beautiful or reveal something of God's goodness to me along the way. And it may be something as simple as I drive my kids to school every morning and we pass this field. And for whatever reason, this field is, it changes day to day as to what is happening in it of whether there's corn growing and, or whether there is fog, kind of a layer of fog across it. Every day it like catches my attention and I try to pay attention to that. And it like, it's just this moment of remembering God's presence in the midst of just our very normal mundane drive to school every day. Mm-hmm. And so things like that of learning to pay better attention to those, those signposts in the midst of, of this crazy life. Yeah. So ironically, the week before this podcast comes out, I'm doing a reflection episode on paying attention to glimmers and glimmers are where are the pieces of joy, of safety, of security, of hope, of goodness, of beauty in your day-to-day life. Because as we actually pay attention to those things, it really does reset our minds, 
helps us be more grateful, helps us to be more centered and present. So I love that. What a good picture, that field. Yeah. It's like a daily ritual, huh? It is. And I, I also use for like three years now in the month of November have led like an online challenge called liturgy of the little things. I love it. Um, and so it actually, it probably will be happening about the time, you know, this conversation goes out into the world, but I tried to not isolate that just to one month of the year personally of trying to carry that into then around the calendar. I love it. I've participated before and I will again. I think it's great. Thank you. Yeah, it's fun. And it's a good way. It's like, that's one of the good ways that we connect over the internet. And Mm -hmm. I love seeing everyone else else's posts. And I think it brings me a lot of beauty in life in places of the world that, that I'm not currently in. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Before we end today, can you share how people can go find your work and see more of what you're doing? Yeah, the best place to connect with me right now is over at my Substack letter called Human Together. And I write there weekly. And then um, we'll be adding some more elements along the way as we go. But I send out a weekly letter as well as a list of a short list of good things to pick up books, articles, episodes, things like that, that, that have been pointing me to God's goodness throughout the week. And then I'm also, I hang out on Instagram, I guess. Probably that's my social media of choice. And so I'm at Sarah underscore Westfall there. And if people want to read Between You and Me, where can they find that? Mm. Yep. If you go to my website, which is Sarah with an H, ewestfall.com. Listen, I was born in the 80s. Everybody was named Sarah at the time. (laughs) So sarahewestfall.com. And then I have a resource page. And if you just put your email address there, you get access to between you and me, as well as some of the other um, PDFs and eBooks that I've done in the past. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. So we are going to be continuing this conversation because we're not done yet because that was an important conversation to have. But what I I also want to talk to you about is grief and not just grief, but how you can be present for others when they're going through a season of grief. Because here's the thing, as a counselor, I know nobody likes to talk about grief. The end, amen, mic drop. Like everybody runs for the hills when you bring that subject up. But the truth is I've been asked so many times, what is the right thing to say? I don't know what I should do. Should I give them space? Should I take them things? I don't, I don't know what to do. You've written such a helpful resource on that because you've been through your own season of grief. So we're going to be talking about that next time. So listeners, I hope you'll come back next time so we can continue this conversation. Thanks again, Sarah, for being on today's podcast episode. I loved getting to connect with you and to talk about deep things that matter, like belonging and connection. Well, friends, if you want to hear more from Sarah or read the resource that we talked about today or about her newsletter or her Substack, you can visit her website, sarahewestfall.com, and I will link to that in today's show notes. If you enjoyed this conversation, don't worry, there's more. Meet me back here next Tuesday to continue this conversation as we talk about how we can really show up for those who are grieving. We're going to talk about practical and helpful things that we can do for our loved ones in a season that they're going through that might be really hard. So I hope you'll meet me back here next Tuesday. In the meantime, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at Pause Renew Next. And you can visit the website 
pauserenewnext.com. Well, that's all for today's episode. I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN. Pause, renew, next. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus. Jesus.